Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, thanks for stopping by Liberty Sessions, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. Please join me as we start liberating dreams one episode at a time. Liberty listeners, welcome to another episode of Liberty Sessions. We're so glad you're here, and we are particularly excited to welcome Carly Rudd to today's episode. Carly is an awesome photographer, and she's um, an awesome friend, too, and I'm so thankful that we get this opportunity to interview her. Carly, thanks for being with us. Hey, guys. Thank you. This is such an honor. I'm really excited to be here. Um, Well, we can't wait for all your wisdom. But before we get into (laughs) that, um, I would love for you to share a little bit about how your career as a photographer and a travel photographer, more specifically travel and lifestyle photographer, began. Carly, just kind of give us your story. Sure. So I um, was always kind of the girl with a camera my whole life. I've always been taking pictures and grew up in Maine. My parents are both artists. And I think having that kind of creative energy around me my whole life um, definitely played a big role in in inspiring me to kind of follow my creative passion to become a photographer. Um, Seeing both of my parents be these creative entrepreneurs was, was definitely, you know, an impact and so grateful for that. And I, uh, I went to school in Florida and studied communications and took art classes and ended up working in kind of PR and marketing for about six years. And the photography side of me was just a hobby and a passion. And at that point in my life, not something that I thought that I would be able to turn into a full-time job. And about three years ago, um, living in Los Angeles at this time, I was working in PR at an advertising firm and doing photography on the side and was starting to get a lot of business um, working photography jobs, doing different lifestyle shoots, working on the weekends, at nights, in the mornings, anytime I could that I wasn't you know, working my nine to five job. And that got to a point where I was getting enough business on the side through photography that I had to make that decision to either you know, make the jump and go, go full time and do this photography thing and, or not. And I definitely, you know, don't regret, um, the decision. It was nerve wracking to, to make that jump, but so happy that I did. And yeah, I, I've been doing it, like I said, three years now and doing all sorts of photography from lifestyle to travel photography. Um, my biggest passion is definitely, 
anything to do with travel photography and yeah, it's been a it's been a wild ride. <laughs> and if anybody um, wants to see just how extensive your travels are, just they, all they need to do is go to your Instagram. And and I'm gonna we're gonna make sure that both your Instagrams um, are in the show notes. So both. Carly's camera and the yes. traveling creatives, which is, um, yes. I love it. And you share that with your fiance who I just yes. adore Jake. Um, so we'll, yeah. we'll make sure those are in the show notes. So mm-hmm. I realize, I can, first of all, I can't believe it's been three years. Cause I actually met you when you had your full-time job. I know. And That's I'm crazy. sort of like dying and a little like what happened to the time? <laughs> and, um, also so thankful for selfish reasons that you did quit that full-time job because we mm-hmm. got to take you on an awesome trip um, or we got to go together on an awesome trip to Africa where you were the photographer for the trip. And um, what you were able to capture during that trip was amazing. And I will be so excited to share it um, <laughs> in our well, we'll just say something exciting that's coming soon. How about that? Yay. <laughs> um, but let's go back to kind of your career path to date. And yeah. would you have ever said that you intentionally kind of wanted to be an entrepreneur or was it, well, as a photographer, that's just the mm-hmm. path for someone unless I were to, I don't know, how, how do photographers work outside of being entrepreneurial? Are there like agencies where... Yeah, there, I think it definitely lends itself to be more of this entrepreneurial thing, but there's certainly companies where you're kind of more of this production photographer um, working under a company. Maybe, you know, when you go to the mall and those people take pictures of babies, and, <laughs> yeah. I guess you could oh, go yeah, down those. that route. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't know why I just don't see you ever doing that, but yeah, not, not so much. Not so much. So, so would you have said, even as you were in PR, did you always have the end game of, I want to be a professional photographer and in order to do that the way I want to do it, I'm I'm going to be an entrepreneur. That's going to be part of my path. Or was it kind of just it came with the territory? I think a little bit of both. I think my personality um, tends to be more of this kind of entrepreneurial spirit. And then as a photographer, that just lends itself perfectly to it. And Um, another kind of side note to how I launched my photography career that I think is important is, um, as I was working in PR and this crazy little app called Instagram, um, came into my life and all of our lives and became this creative outlet for me where I started sharing my work and it kind of took off for me. And so when, you know, I started getting all of this attention on Instagram for my work, I think that gave me this sense of confidence that, wow, maybe, maybe I can do this. Maybe my work is good. Maybe people will hire me and mm. pay me money to, to do something I love. So I, I have to give a shout out to that, that little app that certainly changed my life too. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. And I, I'll, let's come back to that in a second. Cause yeah. I, I'm going to ask you some specific things around Instagram, but how do you think, um, your experience in the public relations field informed what you're doing now, whether it's Mm -hmm. what you choose to shoot or just how you run your business? Yeah, I think I can kind of answer that in a twofold um, because I think my PR background was able to, I'm able to apply what I learned in PR to my own business. So Mm -hmm. whether that's, you know, connecting and networking with people to promote my photography career, um, or knowing how to brand myself. Um, I think that that PR background and marketing background definitely gave me that, that whole kind of, um, I guess, whatever it is that does the magic that makes your, makes your brand, um, just stand out from other people. And there's so many photographers now that you kind of have to think about that. And, um, I think, yeah, that PR background certainly was helpful. It's like, it, it, it sort of reminds me of, 
um, some of the authors that we've spoken to and how they talk about, look, it's not, it's not enough to be a good writer. You mm-hmm. have to know how to create or have to cr- have created a platform mm-hmm. so that you have an audience that wants to listen to you, that, that right. there are ears out there. So yeah. for you, it's eyes. There are people yeah. out there that are interested in my work or want to create work with me. Um, yeah. And I think the other thing that the PR background gave to me was, you know, not only was I able to know how to promote myself, um, but now when I get hired by brands, I understand the type of, if it's for, you know, an advertising shoot or even editorial shoot. I mean, um, I worked with photographers all the time as a, as a publicist. And so having that background when I work with brands now is so valuable because I, I get it. I know what they're going through, what they need the images for. Um, so I kind of speak that language with them, which is super helpful. Uh, yeah. And I think even just you saying that kind of brings an awareness to us. If we're not already thinking mm-hmm. that way, just how we should be thinking that way, whether it's because we want to be an influencer or, you know, mm-hmm. in whatever our respective mm-hmm. spaces are, or just to have kind of a sense of what it is that you're doing when you're, when you're posting, if you're being intentional, obviously if you're posting right. cause you want to show your kids mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. their first steps or whatever ridiculousness, um, yep. mothers like <laughs> myself show and there's lots of it. Um, so, okay, let's go back to Instagram really quickly. Yeah. So that is sort of a second hat that you're wearing and you brought it up, um, mm-hmm. already, but with regard to Instagram, you're really playing a second role, not just as a photographer, but as an influencer, which Mm -hmm. just so we're all kind of on the same page, because I think there's some confusion as to what that actually means. (laughs) I don't even know if I know what it means these days. Well, I think um, there are people who are influential Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, for whatever reason, could be for good reasons, it could be for bad reasons. Mm -hmm. And then there are people who it's actually a revenue source, like they are actually able to, um, Mm -hmm. because of their influence, because of their following, and by the way, influence isn't just big numbers, right? It's also um, engagement. So Mm -hmm. they're able to get hired by brands to convey a message, to share an opportunity, mm-hmm. to share a brand, whatever it is. So tell yeah. us a little bit about what it's like to wear that influencer hat or, or, or even just describe as, yeah. as you've experienced what that is. Sure. So um, like I mentioned earlier, how, you know, Instagram kind of took off for me. And um, I think it's been, gosh, I don't know, maybe six or seven years now that I've been using Instagram. And within the first year that I was on the app um, using it, you know, I didn't have crazy amounts of followers or anything like that. But um, after the first year of using the app, Instagram reached out to me via email. Somebody working at Instagram did. And they said, hey, Carly, uh, you've been... um, you, how did they word it? I forget exactly, but basically I, I was chosen to be on their suggested user list, which mm-hmm. I didn't even know what that was mm-hmm. at the time. But, um, basically if, if you were new to the app and signing on to the app, they were giving you a list of users, uh, to follow these suggested users for any new person downloading the app. And so I was put on that list and, you know, I don't even know how many people have Instagram now, but at the time, and still I'm sure it was experiencing rapid growth, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people downloading this app. And so from that exposure, I was able to grow my following from maybe 5,000 at the time to over 30,000 in a period of two weeks. And so that was insane. Yeah, (laughs) That was pretty crazy. And, And at the time, that was when all of this influencer marketing world was just starting to take off. Mm-hmm. And so these brands were starting to see value in sending their products to these Instagram influencers to post about um, on their on their feed. And so brands started reaching out to me and I was like, what is this crazy world? But because I was working in PR, I knew... I knew what that was because my job in PR was to reach out to influencers and connect them with the different clients I was working with. So I understood that world. And then to kind of see both sides of it um, 
was was really interesting. And I think I was able to leverage my, Absolutely, my yeah. brand a lot more because I, I was working, you know, seeing the back end of it and how these other influencers and bloggers were getting these paid partnerships um, with brands. And so, yeah, I just, a lot of people um, just found me on Instagram and started reaching out to me and I was getting so many random different requests from people wanting to send me a pair of socks to take a picture of to <laughs> probably one of my, still one of my favorite, um, collaborations I did was with Land Rover. Um, I, I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was able to go, um, out into Death Valley during this super bloom when hundreds of wildflowers were blooming and take one of their new Land Rovers out there and photograph it. And I mean, how, how yeah. cool is that? How cool. I mean, really, <laughs> how cool is that? And it's funny because I'm going to just go back to that day that I met you yeah. again. So when you and I met, you happened to be, you were hired by somebody who had rented my studio space to mm-hmm. do a workshop and you were the yep. hired photographer. <laughs> and do you, do you know what I'm about to say? I yeah. Know. And, um, I had been, I had been following you on Instagram and at <laughs> some point you were sitting like two people away from me. Cause they said, Hey, you can join in the workshop. So I did. Right. I was yep. like, no, no, no problem. I'll just hang out and learn a few things. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm following her. I know that girl. Um, and, and, and that began our relationship. But I know. So it, funny. I know. It is so funny. Uh, one of the things, going back to that story that you told yeah. about going from 5,000 to 30, I remember mm-hmm. you sharing that story with me. And one of the things that stood out that you said mm-hmm. to me is when I said, why do you think they identified you? And you said, if I look back at those early pictures and it's very consistent mm-hmm. with the way you shoot even today or the way yeah. you post today, yeah. there were lots of consistencies and a mm-hmm. visual through line with everything you do. And that they wanted that. They were looking yeah. for people that had that consistency. Do you think that's mm-hmm. still the case, Carly? I I do. I I think consistency is is huge for brands and personal accounts, whatever type of account you have on Instagram. And I think it's important because of just the way that we look at a feed and if it is consistent, there's something that happens. I swear it's like scientific that happens with your brain and you're more likely to be um, just get good feelings and feel better about photographs when they all kind of look and feel the same way. I swear there's yeah. something that happens in the brain. <laughs> it makes <laughs> sense though, right? Yeah. If you think of social media in the way you think of social interaction, like we have different mm-hmm. friends that represent different things to us. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, this is the friend that's really nice and cheers me up and this is the mm-hmm. friend that will always give it to me straight. And this is the friend yeah. who, um, I always go to for like fashion advice or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like it's sort of the same thing. Like we, we develop those relationships with that. And because it's highly visual, mm-hmm. um, I- including yeah. the copy that's, that's there, mm-hmm. we, yeah. we need, we need that sort of association. So yeah. I think that organizes a, it for our brains. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a good tip. That's a good takeaway. That's why I wanted to bring that up because I remember yeah. being so struck with that story when you told yeah. me. Yeah. Um, what do you mm-hmm. think, um, kind of as an influencer, what do you mm-hmm. think has shifted? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put my consulting hat on for a yeah. minute. I've, I've heard and um, I, I guess I've, I've heard a lot of thoughts around what's happening with Instagram. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of people feeling like, oh, we missed that boat. Um, that was no. back in the heyday. So what what do you have to say or how, what can you share with those of us who are feeling a little defeated by the mm-hmm. algorithm change mm-hmm. or by just being a, a kind of late to the game or, or yeah. a late bloomer? Like, how am I ever going to really catch up? What, what do you have to say to those people to encourage yep. them or guide them? Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I don't think that the boat can be missed. I don't think it's that sort of situation. I think that Instagram now is really an extension of your brand. It's like your own, it's like your brand, your, your, whether you using it as a personal brand or, um, thinking of it in terms of your own brand that you work for. 
um, or company that you own, I think that Instagram is an, is an extension of that. And you should look at it in that sense, just like you pay attention to the website that you create for your company or for yourself. Um, I think that the visuals and the, the way that you put together your Instagram should be thought of as this kind of, uh, lookbook for your brand. Mm Um, and I don't think that the boat has been missed for anyone. I think that it now, um, you know, it's just like you have to have a website for your company. I think you kind of have to have an Instagram account, um, depending, depending on exactly what it is that you do. But, um, I certainly think that there's a place for everybody still to create this identity for themselves, this visual identity for themselves using Instagram and be able to grow a following and use the app as a way to um, engage with their consumers and share um, more about themselves so that their consumers can feel kind of a part of their own little community, if you will. Yeah. And which is the point, right? It's social. So if (laughs) you treat it in that way, if you sort of respect the mechanism, then Mm -hmm. you're probably going to, you're probably more likely to get the results as opposed to if you treat it as a one-way street, like I'm just Mm -hmm. pushing out information and I'm not checking on people. I'm not asking Mm -hmm. questions. I'm not, you know, liking or engaging others. Then then, then you're going to, you're going to see the, the, the fruit or lack of fruit, um, in the same way that you would walk into a cocktail party and, Mm -hmm. you know, hold up a sign, a a, a photograph, (laughs) a single photograph and just walk around like, who cares? No one's going to talk to you. Yeah. And I've seen brands. I work, I consult with a lot of brands now and create content for different brands, um, Instagram accounts. And I've seen brands go from, you know, within a year of launching their Instagram to having, and it's not all about followers, but to be able to grow their account to over 15,000 followers in a year. And I still, that's still happening. So I don't think that the boat has been missed. I think that there's, if you're thoughtful with it, that, um, that there's certainly a way for you to grow your community and, and network yourself and put your brand out there, um, into the world really. So, um, I, this always happens. I get so caught up in the expertise of the person that I just can't help but ask a question, even though we're still in the get to know Carly (laughs) phase of the interview, but I have to ask, what are we doing wrong? Like, what's the one thing that you see us doing wrong on Instagram that you can say, Hey, if you guys would just do more of this, you're going to get better results with with just engagement, not even with new likes or, I mean, Mm -hmm. with new followers, but just more engagement. Yeah. I mean selfishly as a photographer, my biggest critique to everyone is, is having good quality photographs. Um, I see so many people wondering why they're not growing their account. And then they look, I take a look at their photographs and they're just not great quality photographs. So I think, um, that, you know, that's key. (laughs) And there's so many, tips and ways for people to become better photographers if you're capturing content for your own account. And there's so many ways for you to kind of curate content now. There's so many accounts, you know, um, you don't have to take a photo every day for your Instagram account. There's so much content out there and photographers that already have content that could make sense for your brand that you can borrow it or, you know, give them photo credit. I have people all the time that just ask to use my photographs and post them in their feed because it, you know, goes with their brand aesthetic that they're trying to create. So, okay. So good photographs is of course our takeaway from Carly Rudd. (laughs) Take better pictures. (laughs) Okay. We will. We will. We will. (laughs) Um, Okay. So back to you a little bit. So your work has taken you all over the world at this point. I mean, even just in the in the last couple years in particular, what's been, or just the last year, right, yeah. Carly? Yeah. I mean, this last been year's wild. been coconuts. <laughs> um, what, what's been the hardest and maybe even the, the best parts, um, mm-hmm. professionally speaking, like in, mm-hmm. in being on the road so much? Yeah, I mean... I just did a road trip across the country from California to Maine. And the first thing that popped into my head when you asked that question is this vision of my fiance driving the car and me sitting in the passenger seat with my laptop trying to edit photographs as we're on this like bumpy back road to deliver these photographs to a client. (laughs) And I got so carsick. And I mean, yeah, it's, 
there's so many great, great things about working for yourself and being able to travel, but you don't always have, you know, a comfortable desk and space to, to get your work done, um, in a way that you might like. So I think sometimes just having to work on the fly, find good Wi-Fi, (laughs) um, (laughs) especially when you're traveling into rural places overseas, don't always get the best Wi-Fi or coffee shop to post up in. So I think those are, those are some of the challenges and and hard parts. (laughs) So I can imagine the best parts are the travel itself and the people that you meet and what you're able to see and photograph. Any surprises, any best parts that we wouldn't assume are best parts? I mean, I think, and this might just be something that is my personality that it, that it works for me, but I just love being my own boss (laughs) and being able to make my own schedule. And if, you know, I want to, I'm not a real routine type of person. And I think when I was working the nine to five lifestyle, I, I hated not being able to wake up and, and decide that I wanted to go work out and get my work done later in the day. And I'm also a night owl. So a lot of times I use my daytime to run errands and, and catch up on stuff. And then, um, if it's editing photos or answering emails or putting together decks, that sort of stuff, I kind of crank it out at night and being able to do that and be my own boss was something I don't, I don't know if I had expected to have so much joy for it, but it, yeah, it's definitely the best part being able to make my own schedule and work on my own time. (laughs) We do, we do something at the very end that, um, is kind of a, our quick little get to know Carly, um, section. So I already know what some of your answers are going to be. I want to go back to something you said really quickly when you were talking about how brands are hiring you, Mm -hmm. um, to sort of give them some, you know, consult and, and give them some Mm -hmm. strategic ways in which they can grow their Instagram or even take photographs that are more brand appropriate or whatever. Right. Um, I just have to ask Carly (laughs) Rudd, are you, is that something that you're doing now? Is that a part of your business? Can our listeners like check, you know, check you out and call you or is it like, eh, not so much. It just kind of happens when I'm getting hired to photograph something that I go the extra mile. With no, I certainly, I think it, and it's all kind of happened within the last year. I've been um, just kind of seeing where this photography world takes me. And I think I've fallen into this um, new line of work where I'm giving people, um, consulting people specifically on Instagram and kind of the visual um, aesthetics that they create for themselves and and being thoughtful about the photographs they use to um, associate, uh, with their brand or their company. So yes, I, I love that type of stuff. And I would love to talk with anybody who's interested in learning more about it and seeing how, um, how it could help their company and more about what exactly I could do. So So yes. (laughs) DMing you on Instagram or is there like a contact form or something on your website? Yeah. Okay. And my, yep. My email address is, um, is located on my Instagram page okay. too. And like we'll him. make sure all of that is um, included in the show notes. So Perfect. all of your handles and and all of that. But I just had to ask. Yeah. Um, so kind of to round out this por- portion of the, the interview, if you could go back and do one thing differently in terms of those early years when you were, or early days, I should say, when you were launching your photography business or yourself mm-hmm. as a as a freelance photographer, what would you do differently or what would you, mm-hmm. what would you add to that or take away from, from what you've done? Yeah, I think, um, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist and I think that when I was launching in the early phases of launching my photography career, it was a little bit slower than I thought it would be in terms of, you know, getting my website up and getting my portfolio together and my media kit and all these things that are certainly very, very important. But I think sometimes you just have to start and put stuff out there Mm -hmm. and then edit it and refine it as time goes on and not be so stressed about having the perfect logo and the perfect business card and everything the first time around. Um, So I think, yeah, I, I would recommend, or I would recommend myself, (laughs) 
three years ago to, to not be so nervous to just put stuff out there, start, and you can always go back and change it because I think that stalled a lot of my growth, um, just waiting so long to get the perfect thing put together. And often, well, first of all, thank you for that. I, I yeah. have sort of this story that I share sometimes around that with a client who yeah. was waiting to create the perfect logo. Mm-hmm. And no, it was the perfect tagline. That's what it was. Yep. And wouldn't print uh, his business cards. This was back <laughs> in the day when I was working with men too. But um, <laughs> wouldn't create or wouldn't print his business cards because he's like, I don't have the, the right tagline. And mm-hmm. by the time he sort of came up with it, his business had morphed. Like he wasn't serving the same clientele. He's like, Mm -hmm. I don't even really want to serve these people. I want to serve those people. And the tagline was irrelevant. And it was like, had you just forgotten the tagline, just put your stupid, you know, contact information on a piece of paper. And by the way, no one uses those cards anyway. But, um, but you would have, you would have figured it out. Now, having said that, having pointed that out, I myself suffer from the same things. And there are lots yep. of things that I haven't put out because mm-hmm. um, I want them to it's be hard. perfect or, um, or I just, I don't have the time because I'm working yeah. on other things. So it's prioritizing too. I think that's probably my right. biggest thing. Yeah. Um, I'm less of a perfectionist. I just do too much. Yep. Um, so um, thanks for that. That's good. And, yeah. and there may be a quote from Carly on our Instagram. <laughs> um, so now we're going to kind of switch things up and go into the, we've got Carly Rudd, this awesome world famous photographer with us here. And we want to really pull out all the nuggets of advice and wisdom that she's got to share. So one thing I want to just address, because I think people who are listening to this and who are going to go to your Instagram and see this sort of dreamy career, this dreamy life that you have created. I mean, every single post shows a well-curated adventure. Can you share kind of the realities of your day-to-day? And you shared it a little bit with your road trip with, you know, Jake and how you were getting (laughs) sick because you were having to edit (laughs) while you were in the car. But give us kind of like, kind of, what's the skinny? Like, how's the sausage made, Carly? Like, what's the deal? Oh, gosh. I should have a whole account that's just dedicated, whole Instagram account that's just dedicated to, like, what's actually happening in this photograph. (laughs) You could do that in your stories. You could do like, like, here I am, here's my glamorous life. And then it goes away. So it's still well curated. Yeah. Yeah, Like I'm like perched on some, like precariously perched on some cliff and it's raining and I'm trying to get this (laughs) shot and the sun's going down and I'm yelling at Jake, my fiance to do something. And I mean, yeah, sometimes it all comes together magically and you get the shot without having to force it. And I love when that happens, but that's not always the reality. And I think for me, I I tend to plan out a lot of the types of shots I want to capture. Even on um, when I'm traveling and going on trips, I, I have in my mind kind of a vision of the photographs I want to capture and share. And so when I go on these trips, I'm it can kind of get me, <laughs> make me a little bit crazy because if I'm not able to get the shots that I had envisioned, then that's when I just, you know, can force it or get myself into situations where it's just, you know, frustrating. And, you know, I'm running around town in Sri Lanka. I, that came to mind. Um, I desperately wanted this photograph in Sri Lanka of the coastline. And, I remember we took like three different tuk-tuks and each beach that they kept dropping us off on wasn't what I like, wasn't speaking to me. And we ended up not even shooting that day because we spent the whole time just running around trying to find the shot that I had in my mind. Um, And sometimes on those adventures, you get the best shots that you weren't planning to get. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of that. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like being able to sort of go with it a little bit, especially when... Um, or, or have a little, give yourself a little bit of freedom. Like, yes, that's the shot you had intended, Mm -hmm. um, or were really excited about, but you know, what else, what, what are you not seeing by being so focused on that? What are you missing? Sort of being open to that. Yeah. Um, So we've talked about travel quite a bit and I know that you work with a lot of brands that are more travel centric, but Mm -hmm. you work with non-travel related brands too. How Mm -hmm. do you 
juggle your schedule when you are so often out of the country? Like, have you come <laughs> up with some sort of magic way of, okay, I'm at least going to be home for, are you laughing because there's, there is no magic anything? Yeah. I don't know if there's any magic, but <laughs> I mean, I think I'm able, a lot of the brands that I do work with that aren't necessarily travel brands, I'm able to, like, if it's a clothing brand, for instance, um, that I'm shooting for, I'm often able to kind of capitalize on the fact that I may be going on this awesome trip, whether it's to Bali or even this road trip recently across the U.S., I can let the brand know what upcoming travel I have going on and then be able to shoot their products in these amazing locations that mm. they may not have gotten otherwise. Clever. I'm able to kind of spin it and make it work, make it work for me. <laughs> That's awesome. Or even just then be able to be more specific as to the brands you're working with. Like right. you may not be an airline or a hotel or whatever, but maybe mm-hmm. your luggage or exactly. maybe your like skincare products that work yeah. in multiple climates. If you, exactly. if you haven't done that and that I just gave you an idea, I want credit for that because <laughs> that was a good one. That's um, a good one. <laughs> so with kind of photography being as important as it is, and you pointed out just in Instagram, the need for us to build up our brands and really communicate with that audience about who we are and kind of who we want to be too and how mm-hmm. we want to engage them yeah. or even trying out things on Instagram and realizing they don't Mm -hmm. really, they're not really responding to this. So I can shift as opposed to in a website, you can't really, you can't really shift that quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some tips that you can share with us in sort of conveying our personal or professional brand, like in terms of Mm -hmm. the actual shot or Mm -hmm. creating for social media, for our websites, for in-house collateral collateral. Yeah. I, it could be mm-hmm. a business card. I'm, I know, you know, but a business card, a postcard, a, any, anything that's like a, an actual product that you're a piece of paper that you're giving to a client. So right, right. what, what are some things that you can share with us that you think, gosh, if you could do this, mm-hmm. it would really, it would go, you'd go far in communicating mm-hmm. who you are. Yeah. I mean, I think it starts with really looking at the type of brand you want to be and as I was applying this to myself, um, if, if you want to look at other brands that inspire you and then look at the types of photographs and imagery visuals that they share and start to kind of dissect other brands that you are inspired by, or that may share similarities with your company or your brand. Um, because especially, you know, the, the larger brands that have been doing it for a while, they're, you know, they have all this success for a reason. So look at the photos they're sharing and and ask yourself, you know, what types of feelings do I get from these photos? Why are they working on me? If it's, you know, you love, um, I don't know, you love Prada, look at the photos that Prada shares and ask yourself, what are these images evoking? Um, how are they doing that? Are they sharing photos of landscapes? Are they sharing photos of people? And kind of dissect and just look at a ton of content and start to kind of, for me, what I did was create, um, using Pinterest, kind of create all of these visual inspiration boards um, that were the type of work that I wanted to either start shooting or the type of work that I wanted to, um, similar photographers or brands that were um, kind of evoking a similar feeling that I wanted to evoke with my brand. Um, so does that help answer the question? No, I think that's actually super helpful. Anything that we should be sort of Mm -hmm. where you can warn us that while you want to do that, you want to find, and I do this all the time, actually, you want to find brands that inspire you and speak Mm -hmm. to you and you think might speak to your audience. How do you protect yourself from just duplicating um, somebody else's kind of brand DNA. How do you Mm -hmm. insert, make sure that you are inserted? Are there some questions we should ask ourselves or, you know what I mean? mean, Yeah, certainly. And I, I mean, I think it gets down into like your, your personality and what you have to ask yourself, what does make me different? Cause you don't want to be the person that's just duplicating and um, you know, you want your brand to to be your brand and you want it to be different than other people for a reason. So ask yourself those questions like, 
although you may like and be inspired by a similar brand's imagery and and kind of style that they have, um, but what is it that makes you different? Maybe um, maybe you like moodier photos, photos or more bright photos. Um, and I think if you do find those things that make you different, you're going to be more successful in the long run. Sure. For sure. Sure. One, you can keep it up because it's informed by you, who you are. Yeah. And then two, I think it's you're finding your tribe, right? I mean, it's yeah, exactly. a little cliche, but it's true. It's like, true. You'll yeah. find those people or those people will find you. You mm-hmm. have a great tip. This is more specific. Um, yeah. That you shared with me a couple years ago, just in mm-hmm. terms of just taking, you know, when you're taking your own pictures, yeah. here's a good way to convey Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how you would articulate it, but a, a kind of a clever yeah. tip in how to mm-hmm. take pictures and, and place them next to each other. Can you share sure. that with us? Yeah. So as a child, I mean, I've always been obsessed with magazines and magazine layouts and something that I've kind of taken away from how magazines lay out their images um, is that if you look at beautiful editorials, um, you'll notice that there's kind of like four different types of photographs and in in terms of how close the subject is to the camera. So it's all kind of this spatial thing. Um, but imagine you have these four different types of photographs. The first one and uh, nail polish is the subject. So the first photograph is, you know, this super close detail shot of just the nail polish bottle. Mm-hmm. And the second type of photograph is a little bit further away. You may see the nail polish bottle on the vanity with some makeup brushes around it. The third photograph, you might see the whole bathroom and this whole space. And then the fourth one is even further away. You may see the room that leads into the bathroom. Um, and then with all of those four different types of photographs, you have to think about how you how they look next to each other. And so something that magazines do really well um, that I try to apply sometimes with my work is you don't want to put two really close shots next to each other. Um, I think that it looks better and people are able to get a bigger story if you share kind of this variety and you have the detail shot next to the shot of the bathroom where you see the whole picture and having those next to each other just, I think, looks better. And so when you're putting together your Instagram feed and planning out your photos, I always recommend to try to um, think in those terms and and have a really wide angle shot next to a detail shot and not next to another really wide angle shot. Um, I think that something magic happens visually when you when you have that variety Um displayed together, if yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> no, from, from a visual point of view, but also from a storytelling point of view. Yes. Yeah. yeah exactly. I love that. That's such yeah. a good takeaway. I love your <laughs> takeaways. Thanks for that, Carly. Yeah. Of course. So, um, while we're kind of on the subject of very specific, um, kind of tools or tips or resources, and that was a good one. Do you have any photo editing apps or storage, photo storage apps or anything that, you know, you can share with us that would make us look like a Carly, um, (laughs) Carly Rudd, like anything that would make us look like a pro? (laughs) Yes, I do have some apps that I love. um, And I'll list them off here. The ones that I use the most there's one called Snapseed, and I use that one probably the most of all of them. And the thing that I love about that app that I haven't found in any other ones is that it allows you to pick certain parts of a photograph and just edit those sections. So if you have a photograph where one corner of it is very dark, but the rest of it's really bright, you can go in and target that little dark corner and brighten it up Mm. if you want. Or if you have, you know, this terrible yellow light on a white wall, you can just target that section of color and, and tone it down into more of a blue tone or desaturated and can really kind of get into a lot more detail. Um, so I love that one. Another one that I, that I love is Visco or Mm -hmm. VSCO. Um, that's a great one that has just beautiful kind of filters that you can choose from, um, has more of kind of the, um, analog film, film camera, uh, look and feel that, um, can be really beautiful on your photographs. 
Uh, one that is, it still is like blows my mind how, how it happens, but it's called, the app is called retouch. And essentially you can very easily just highlight with your finger on the screen, something that you might want to remove from the photograph. So for me, it's amazing if I, you know, have this beautiful, clean photograph of a beach, but there's this ugly trash can or umbrella in the corner that I don't want. You can literally highlight it with your finger and press whatever the magic button is and it'll, it'll remove those objects for you and you won't even notice. It's like <laughs> Photoshop on steroids. That's awesome. Yeah. So and doesn't require one. us to be quite the pro that Photoshop does, right? Exactly. It's Love like it. very, very user-friendly. You literally just highlight with your finger and poof. <laughs> okay. And again, for all those listening, we'll make sure those are in the show notes. Thank yeah. you for those. Those are good yeah. ones. So, <laughs> Um, as a photographer, you mentioned earlier, you, you touched on this slightly. I'm going to bring us back to it. But you are, like we said, you're a photographer for hire, but you also have a line of original prints that you sell and they're sold yeah. on um, your website. And mm-hmm. um, I've seen them at, you know, when we came back from Africa, mm-hmm. they were sold at yeah. the show that we did. Mm-hmm. How much do you think it's, or do you think it's important? I don't want to leave the question um, <laughs> that that photographers should diversify and maybe sell or find mm-hmm. another stream of revenue. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. what do you think about that? And given the fact that you are doing both, do you think yeah it's been a good idea for you? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if every photographer needs to be that diverse for revenue sakes. Um, But for me, I just have this passion for art and passion for creating these fine art prints um, and connecting into that community. I think it goes back to growing up with, you know, my parents owning an art gallery. It's always kind of been part of my life. Um, But to be honest, it's not where the money's coming right now. It's the, you know, getting hired for lifestyle shoots or um, different travel shoots that type of work is where my biggest source of revenue comes from. But the the side passion now, I always seem to find a side passion, even if I'm doing my, my side <laughs> passion that was a side passion three years ago. But creating this larger um, fine art photography um, space and career for myself is something that is you know, on my, on my goal list now to grow that business and to focus more on it. Um, I think that one thing that being diverse can, can bring you in as a photographer or creative in general is sometimes you have to step away from the work you're doing and, and that will allow you to just be more creative overall. Mm -hmm. So if you have that diversity where you're, you know, doing lifestyle shoots, but then you're also trying to create these, um, photographs that you'll turn into fine art prints. It kind of flexes different muscles in your brain that um, just allows that creativity and creative process to work better for me anyway. So <laughs> that's, yeah, I hadn't considered that. That's awesome for anybody, regardless of, yeah. you know, their, their chosen career. They don't have to be mm-hmm. a photographer, but how <laughs> diversifying isn't just good for the bottom line or can be right. good for the bottom line, but right. how it's actually good for the work. Mm-hmm. itself and, yeah. and and what the various outcomes could be um, when, yeah. you, and when one, you can be more creative. Yeah. Um, and one other thing that's been just kind of interesting for me, so I've, I've been doing a lot of interior photography for different um, magazines and different interior designers and brands in that sense. And as I'm launching my um, fine art print collection, being able to kind of tap into that world, that side of me that's shooting interiors. And now I'm making connections with interior designers to then be able to approach them and say, oh, and by the way, I'm also selling fine art prints so that you should (laughs) recommend to your clients. So there's ways that they can, being diverse and having your your feet or whatever the motto is, your hand in a lot of I'm saying it terribly wrong. I never get those things right. My husband's (laughs) like, that's like three idioms combined. No, that's not how any of that goes. (laughs) But hopefully you get what I'm saying. We totally get what you're saying. (laughs) Um, No, I like that. I I like how those things kind of can work in tandem when you're a little bit smart about, you know, who you're dealing with. And it's all, as you just pointed out, it's the, it's various parts of who you are 
right. um, and what your talent allows for, but it's within that same community. So you're able to diversify just with the same people that you're already kind of yeah. selling to, or you've already, who've already decided to work with you. It's like, Oh, but there's another way you can work with me. So that's, that's clever. That's a good one, Carly. Yeah. Um, not that the others weren't, but that's, that's a good one. So, um, one of the things that I hear from creatives is just that it's kind of hard to know what to charge. Um, you feel yeah. like, especially when you're first starting out, like, oh, I don't know. I mean, any work feels like good work right now. I'm trying to build my portfolio. I mean, I hear that all the time mm -hmm. from clients. Mm -hmm. Um, and I encourage them to be careful to not, I mean, sometimes it's a yes season where you mm -hmm. just say yes and you just get the work because you do need to build the portfolio and you need to start networking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, you also don't want to get taken advantage of. You you want right. to make sure that, I mean, it's your career. Mm -hmm. Do you have any sort of best practices with regard to setting rates in those early years and then how you grow the rates um, mm -hmm. as you gain more experience? Yeah. I mean, this one is, this one is a tough one for me. I still feel like it's a big challenge and I'm continuing to learn with every new client and job that I'm on, um, how to, how to set my rates, what to charge for my work. Um, one thing that's been helpful for me is, is talking with other creatives and asking them what they charge or how they kind of, um, face this. And I go to this photography camp every year called photo field trip. And it's been a great resource for me to connect with other photographers and, as a creative and a freelancer, you often don't have this, you know, crew of people around you every day that, that, that tell you what's going on. Sure. So I think finding that network and other creatives and connecting with them and just openly asking them and, and we're all in it together. So I think that's helpful. And also for me, having the background in advertising and PR, I was able to see what other creatives were charging for their work. So that was really helpful for me to kind of have something to go off of. Um, and then probably the other thing I resort to is just good old Google and <laughs> researching and reading articles and seeing what other people are saying out there. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I think certainly you should increase your rates and as you grow and gain more experience. And I, I don't know if it's a thing that women do, but I definitely feel like women more so than men um, aren't as confident in charging for what they're worth. And I'm just as guilty as anybody else, but it's, it's hard. Sometimes you just, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's something I want to work on. And um, yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> it is a tough one. And I, that last part of what you said, I can, um, I can offer a tiny bit of kind of, feedback or information. Yeah. And it is absolutely true. Women um, uh, tend to have a harder time setting rates that are appropriate to the work. Mm -hmm. And um, it's interesting if we kind of go into the glass ceiling conversation about what we, you know, about that equal pay. Mm -hmm. um, here as entrepreneurs, when we have the opportunity to dictate what that is, we mm -hmm. still sell ourselves short. And mm -hmm. so we need to own that piece of it and start yeah. um, not... It, it's less about demanding a certain rate and it's more about feeling worthy of that rate, feeling mm -hmm. like that, no, that is, that is the work that I do. That is what mm -hmm. I'm putting out into the world. And that is a, yeah. that is a fair price for yeah. what my services are. And mm -hmm. so you're absolutely right. It's not just a, I think it is, you know, women tend mm -hmm. to have this issue. It's a fact they do. And I think the more we, the more we can encourage one another in that, the more I think we yeah. can, um, and we can understand, oh, that's hard for you. It's actually, it was hard for me too. And then yeah. give them permission to go through that, whatever that is, yeah. and then emerge yeah. from, <laughs> you know, come out on the other end and say, okay, but now this is what I'm going to charge. I also like the idea of you being able to ask those questions to a community of creatives right. that's all ask, they're asking the same questions, but then mm -hmm. what happens with that collective is mm -hmm. that you start to set rates that right. are similar to one another. And so mm -hmm. it's like you inform the industry right. by doing that. There aren't outliers that are charging like five times as much for, you know, mm -hmm. relative to your experience. Right. Um, you're starting to all kind of naturally hover around that same, a, a similar range. Mm -hmm. um, and exactly. obviously there are people with tons more experience or they right. only work with 
global brands or whatever mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. that allows them yeah. to charge more. But yeah, yeah, that's good. Those are yeah, some good I, takeaways. Yeah, I think another thing that's been helpful for me with that too is just really trying to educate my clients on what exactly I'm doing. Because a lot of times it's, you know, oh, I charge this for my my day rate, but they don't understand that, you know, after I shoot all day, I then have to spend all of the time editing the photographs and, you know, uploading them and then downloading them and transferring them to my hard drives. And there's a lot of other time and energy that goes into it. So if I can educate my clients and people I work with on what exactly I'm doing and, and, um, all of that, I feel like it helps kind of validate and give me more confidence and make my prices feel, um, feel better to everyone. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that what I like about that is that you don't assume that Mm -hmm. the person that's hiring you understands that they're, they're, they're not necessarily taking advantage of you. They just don't know. They don't know how your industry works. Exactly. I would also add because, um, some of my clients need work from creatives like mm-hmm. you. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's when you bundle those prices and you don't mm-hmm. charge people for every a la carte thing, yeah. it's a, you're not going back and asking for more. Okay, here's what the shoot was and the, and that's right. a price and here's the editing price and then here's the right. delivery price and then mm-hmm. here's the retouch up price. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, here's the price and there's, you know, this is what it's including. Yeah, and there are one or two changes and that's my drive time and my, yeah everything's included. Then they just understand that that's the fee and they're not, it's not like, okay, yeah, here's the fries and then there's money for the <laughs> yeah. salt and then there's money for yeah, the ketchup and then there's money good. for the napkin. <laughs> no, it doesn't feel good. It that sounds like good. a spirit airline situation. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Honest to God, never, uh, ever again. Uh, Although I say yeah. that and I'm sure I will. Um, <laughs> So uh, as we kind of wind down on this kind of advice section and we really kind of consider the people who are listening to this and there are women who would be asking you, Carly, like, hey, I want to launch my own creative venture. What do you Mm -hmm. think I should do? What's kind of not necessarily photography specific, but what are yeah. three nuggets of wisdom that you would love to share with, you know, just three, it could be three little one-liners or something yeah. that would encourage her, that would get her to start, that would get her off the ground. If she's already started, maybe that would keep her in the game. If she's feeling kind of down, what mm-hmm. do you have to offer those women who are, who are in that stage or in that space? Yeah. I mean, I think I would, one of the nuggets would go back to something I said earlier and that's um, just start something, just start and, and the rest will kind of fall into place. So don't be afraid to start something and whether, you know, it's not going to be perfect and that's okay. Um, So that would be one of the nuggets. Um, Another thing that I would advise people uh, looking to start their own creative venture is, is to really think about the type of brand that you want to be um, and explore all different um, sides of that to really, I think it's just so important when you're starting out to really define the type of brand you want to be. Um, and I know that's big, but I think it's important to to know who you want to be that way. You kind of attract the kind of work and customers that, that you envision. So that's another one. And then I guess the third one would be just have fun still. Like it's all, you know, creative work and the line of work I work in is, is fun and you can't get, you know, caught up in, in some of the stuff that'll drag you down. Remember to, remember to have fun with it. You're, you have this passion for a reason and, um, work. Yeah. Work is work, but when it's something you love, then, then it doesn't always feel like work. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And in this case, um, when it's entrepreneurial and it requires so much of who you are, just for the love of God, do something that you like because <laughs> you're I pouring know. so much into it. And, yes. and, and I would say it's, um, it becomes obvious to the people who you're serving if you love yeah. your work. Yeah, um, it does. it's like, 
and, and then they fall in love with you as a result, or it's like, mm-hmm. well, this is perfunctory and this person could care less. There's no, there's yeah. no soul in this company. So yeah, <laughs> I like what that actually, um, like the end result of that, do what you yeah. love kind of thing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. one thing, and I haven't read the book, so I have to kind of fess up, but I know a little bit about the book and I know people who've read it, who've had a lot of success, but it's brand brilliance. Mm. And, um, I think that a lot of the questions, I believe it's a woman who wrote it again, we'll have it in the show notes, even though I'm the one suggesting it, but, um, she Mm. asks a lot of the questions that you're asking us to ask about Uh, how we sort of develop our brand and, Mm -hmm. um, and she walks people through very specific exercises. So we'll throw that in there too. Yeah. I love that. Carly, um, we're going to now transition into the like ridiculously silly part of this um, interview, <laughs> but it's just a fun way for people to get to know you a little bit more. So we call yeah. it our quick six. So I'm just going to ask awesome. you six questions and just give me your like whatever comes to mind, just the, uh, okay. uh, your response really quickly. Okay. Do you prefer a nine to five or a flex schedule? Flex schedule all the way. (laughs) (laughs) And then this one, I'm not even sure I have to ask, but do you prefer vacationing in the mountains or the beach? The beach. (laughs) And then working from home or an office? Working from home. Okay. Do you have a home office? Is it like Uh, one and the same? No. I guess home to me (laughs) is like what a hotel room or a coffee shop. That's kind of my home and my office, I guess. So that one's a little hard. (laughs) Um, well, it works out for you with all this travel. So that's, my home is on the road. That's right. right. And then working alone or with a team? Working alone. So when you are hired by brands, you are taking some instruction or you have shot lists or whatever. How Mm -hmm. does that feel? Do you, do you enjoy that collaborative work or do you really prefer kind of being your own creative? I, I do prefer that collaborative work, but in terms of physically shooting and doing, you know, the actual photography work. Um, I've been on sets with, you know, a a huge production where there's a ton of people and then sets where it's literally just myself. So in that sense, I, I prefer to kind of keep it small and shoot, shoot alone. Um, I think I just work better in that way. So in that sense, working alone. Okay. And then, um, hardest question. (laughs) <laughs> do you like Thai or do you prefer Thai or Mexican food? Oh, that's hard. So, oh, yeah. my gosh. Right. That's a tough one. Mm, it depends. <laughs> what does it depend <laughs> on? <laughs> it depends on the Thai or the Mexican. Oh, that, ooh, good answer. Yeah. So yeah, we depends. we had a woman who we interviewed, actually Sarah, who you know, you went to Africa with. She's like, <laughs> it's got to be like Baja Mexican. None of this Tex-Mex <laughs> stuff. And she lives in Texas, which is hilarious. Oh my gosh. So good qualifier. Oh. Okay, if they're both good, good Mexican and good Thai, preference? Thai. Okay. If it's good, good Thai, then yeah, then it's I good. Do Thai. I'm with you. <laughs> okay, and then we named uh, this podcast Liberty Sessions and the the overall brand is Liberty and the whole idea behind it is that we are hoping to liberate women through entrepreneurship, through answering their calling, identifying their talents, kind of leaning yeah. into all of that. What does it mean for you to be liberated? To me, it means doing what I love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Boy, short and sweet. So it'll say it means doing what I love, Carly Rudd in quotes. That's going to be, that's going to be on Instagram. Look forward to that. Um, It's happening. Carly, thank you so much for your time and your insights and your really practical advice. I'm so looking forward to people listening um, to this podcast and being able to download the apps and being able to listen again for some of the, the really kind of good nuggets of um, takeaway information. Yeah. So I appreciate your time and yes. it's always a pleasure to hang out with you. So <laughs> thanks for hanging out with us for, for this hour. Yes. Thank you, Netta. This was, this was fun. Um, <laughs> it was fun. And Liberty listeners out there, you'll be able to check out all of Carly's um, great advice. We'll have it in the show notes. So um, go to libertyforher.com and then go into the par- podcast and you'll see everything you need to see. And we will be talking to you guys next week. And we'll see you later. Bye. 
Liberty Sessions is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty Sessions on Apple Podcast. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to launch and grow your own ventures. You can also find us every day on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Liberty For Her. And please leave a comment using the hashtag Liberty Sessions. We want to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and brilliant ideas. Liberty Sessions is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Windham and music by Jordan Flower. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.